0: Today's podcast, I wanted to talk about some common mistakes that I'll see when weight training and common reasons why a lot of people deem some of these lifts unsafe for people. For instance, the deadlift is one that a lot of people will say, well, it's bad for you. I hurt my back deadlifting. That means it's bad for you. Not necessarily the case. Uh, The deadlift, in all honesty, should be the safest movement in the weight room because there's no eccentric portion that means that if you do not have the strength to get the weight up off the floor then in theory the weight should never move and if the weight isn't moving um, that means that there is uh, no real sense of danger uh, because you don't have to worry about the bar falling on your back or on your neck or anything like that the way you do when you have a bench press or a squat so The deadlift really should be the safest movement. The problem is people perform the deadlift like a jackass and they wind up pulling a weight that they either can't perform with perfect form or they wind up pulling themselves out of perfect form at the start of the deadlift and then wind up pulling from a rounded back in a a weakened position. That increases your uh, risk of injury. So with the deadlift, in order to perform it properly, you have to get set up in a perfect position. The the best cue that I have for starting with the deadlift is the hip hinge. You want to make sure that your hips pop back and slightly down while having an upwards uh, position with your torso. Uh, this is a very athletic and strong position to be in. It's a very safe and stable position to put your, the rest of your body in. If you can't hip hinge properly, you shouldn't be deadlifting with heavy weight. You should be learning how to hip hinge because this is not only going to transfer to the deadlift, but it's going to transfer to jumping and everything that you could do out on a sport uh, sports field uh, comes from being able to properly hip hinge to start. Uh, The second thing is make sure that your upper back is in the right position. So your T-spine is flat. Basically, you want to start by pinching the shoulder blades back and then you want to be able to uh, crank the shoulder blades down just a little bit. Uh, We're not talking about anything over extreme here, but being able to get in a really strong and stable position is something that I think everybody Uh, needs to be able to do when they deadlift. For some people who start with more of a rounded back to begin with, where the scaps are a bit more winged, just in a natural standing position, then you're probably going to have to work more on uh, driving the shoulder blades back and down. Uh, For people with more of a normal posture, this is something that you should be able to get into uh, pretty easily. Uh, But What'll happen is the upper back isn't very strong, so once the weight starts to get challenging, all of a sudden the scaps will start to uh, protract again during the deadlift, and we don't want that uh, because that's going to round the upper back, which then causes the rest of the movement to look like crap and feel like crap. So, what I recommend for these people is not necessarily deadlifting super heavy, but doing movements like heavy rows and farmer's walks, movements that are going to train the shoulder blades to drive back and uh, be strong in those movements. So all the muscles from the low trap, the upper trap, uh, the serratus, the lat, all the the muscles that need to contract in order to hold a heavy deadlift in the proper position and throughout the, the entire movement, you want to make sure you're training those on a consistent basis. Uh, if you're not, you're really setting your deadlift up for failure. Um, and the last thing is make sure you're, you're not yanking with the deadlift. I know that there are some times where the deadlift uh, should be performed fast uh, in a speed deadlift fashion or a lightning deadlift, whatever you want to call it. But... Understand that the the people who are performing those advanced uh, variations of the deadlift have been doing deadlifts for years and have perfected the form. They have perfected that when the deadlifts start to get heavy 70, 75, 80% of the one rep max they are not yanking off the floor but trying to slowly develop tension uh, with the bar getting in a real strong position while having tension in the bar and lifting from there. Uh, A yank position is going to often cause problems both with uh, losing some of the hip hinge as well as losing uh, the upper back uh, stability that we were just talking about before. The next argument about an exercise that's bad for you does hold some water um, with certain athlete populations. Uh, the barbell bench press. I don't think that the barbell bench press is bad for everybody, but it's also not good for everybody as well. Uh, think about overhead athletes, the ones who have to throw a lot, baseball players, cricket players, uh, water polo, tennis even. Those athletes will have structural changes to the shoulder that often leads to one shoulder being much less stable than the other. Um, so barbell benching, where you have one bar going across and forcing both hands to move, uh, the bar at the same time can often lead to problems. That's one of the reasons why I am more of a fan of the dumbbell bench press because each hand is individually working. Um, single arm movements like the one arm landmine press and the one arm dumbbell press are also really good too, um. But the, the, the biggest issue with the barbell bench comes with the limited range of movement from the shoulder blades. Uh, I was just talking before about how important the scaps are in the deadlift. Uh, the scaps are just as important in all pressing and rowing movements. So what you want to make sure you're doing when you press is you're allowing the shoulder blades to glide along the rib cage wherever the hand is going, you're getting really good uh, scapular movement, and the barbell bench oftentimes will not enhance that. It'll probably limit it more than anything. However, that doesn't mean that the barbell bench is bad. It doesn't mean that floor pressing is bad. Some athletes need to gain uh, anterior shoulder, aka the the pec and the pec minor and the anterior delt, They need to gain strength in those areas in order to create stability for the shoulder and increase performance. If you struggle to bench a plate, I'm willing to bet that you're not maximizing your body's ability to throw hard and uh, just be an all-around good athlete while taking care of the shoulder. So it's not necessarily how much you bench it's that you are strong and explosive in your chest, no matter what the bench press number is. So rather than getting caught up in the actual number, I would say get caught up in getting really strong through large ranges of motion. Movements like uh, push-ups and weighted push-ups are really, really good alternatives to bench pressing. Um, But if all you have access to is a bar, You can certainly barbell bench and floor press uh, in order to gain strength in in that pressing movement, but what I also recommend doing on top of it is a lot of band work in order to maintain and gain scapular mobility, a lot of rowing. Um, I recommend rows through a full range of motion with all athletes I'll train, especially the ones who are uh, barbell benching. I recommend a lot of one-arm dumbbell rowing through full full protraction and retraction. And lastly, uh, if all you have access to is a bar, you can set that bar up in a corner and do landmine work. Landmine pressing is really, really easy on the shoulders. And a lot of times athletes who are baseball players that come to me and say, hey, my shoulder is really banged up. I can't do any pressing. I can't even do push-ups. no pain. A lot of times you take a landmine Uh, one-arm landmine press for them, and it's really, really easy for them to do, Uh, so you just have to find other exercises than the barbell bench uh, to make sure that you're working through full ranges of motion and uh, make sure that your, uh, your scapular mobility is always going to be enhanced, not limited. A group of exercises that a lot of people will say is bad for you is the Olympic lifts and all their different variations. I just had the pleasure of speaking with uh, coaches uh and Coach Westhorpe, James Westhorpe from uh, Australia and I, I just got to speak on their podcast. It was an awesome experience. One thing I don't do a lot of work with is Olympic lifts, but they enlightened me on, on some of the really beneficial, uh, the, some of the 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 benefits of Olympic lifting and how important it can be for rate of force development. But at the same time, they are probably the riskiest uh, group of exercises that you can find in a weight room. But like the deadlift and, and like the bench press, the movements themselves are not inherently bad. You have to make sure that whenever you're performing those movements, it's one The the risk-reward factor is going to work in favor of the athlete and not going to be uh, 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 more diminishing returns uh, along with the risk. And you also want to make sure that you're performing the movements the way that they're supposed to be done. An Olympic lift is not that bad of a movement. In theory, it's uh, an explosive hip hinge with a a front squat catch or sometimes an overhead uh, squat type catch, and you have to not only develop force, but you have to accept force as well and be really strong eccentrically, that plays a role in all sports, even in baseball. The ability to develop and then accept that force does play a role when throwing and swinging. So there is some benefit to it. But what you have to remember is that the movement is a sagittal plane. All Olympic lifts are sagittal plane based. You can do uh, some landmine rotational split jerks. That does have some carryover to baseball because of the rotational uh, component of the movement. But most Olympic lifts, the basic ones like the hang clean, the power clean and the, and the, the hang snatch, etc. Those are more sagittal plane based and, and they really don't carry over that well to baseball specific power. And I think understanding that, um, a lot of times you will begin to look to other exercises that do carry over well to baseball that are Uh, more frontal plane and transverse plane based so that that power will carry over to the baseball field. Uh, But on the other side of the coin, you have a lot of athletes who can get benefit from Olympic lifting. The problem that you'll see, especially in the CrossFit world and uh, other areas that, that use Olympic lifts for conditioning purposes, you'll find that the form and technique of the movement starts to go to, you know, really, really bad uh, because of fatigue. Anytime you're performing a really complex movement that relies heavily on technique in order to remain safe, anytime you're doing those movements through fatigue, you're screwing yourself up. You're setting yourself up for a higher risk of injury. So that's really the number one biggest concern I have with Olympic lifts is that you're doing them in the one to three or maybe five rep range no more because anything more than that you're going to start to deal with being out of breath being less strong and stable in that catch position and uh, and when you're less strong and stable you're setting yourself up to catch the bar wrong and then you're going to snap something you're going to snap up your wrist your shoulder whatever. It, 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 it's, it's not good. Um, and then lastly, that brings the point up that in order to perform Olympic lifts safely, excuse me, you have to make sure that you're doing them with perfect form all the time. And in order to, to learn perfect form with Olympic lifts, it takes a little bit longer than something like a bench or a deadlift or a squat. It takes a long time. There's a lot that you have to learn uh, to perform an Olympic lift perfectly and a lot of the, those movements are going to come with um, you know, you're, you're going to have super lightweight technique uh, practice basically to, to get the movement patterns down and, and make sure that you're doing them perfectly that takes a lot of time and with a lot of kids they don't have that much time to train They have maybe two, three, four sessions in a week, and I want to make sure that the hour that I get with them every time they come in is gonna be maximized. So rather than teaching Olympic lifts for 15 minutes and not getting that much power development and strength work out of it, I wanna make sure that movements that are easier to do, that they can perform safely, they're getting the most out of those. Really, Olympic lifts are crucial for you know sports like football and even basketball that take a lot of you know time uh, to develop power in the sagittal plane but in on the baseball field we really don't have that much time and the development of power in the sagittal plane is really not that important so that's why I stay away a lot of times from Olympic lifts but Really, they are good movements for a lot of different athletes. You just have to make sure that you're performing them properly.